0: Sacred stone for yourselves, and do not place a carved stone in your land to bow down before it. I am the Lord your God. Observe my Sabbaths and have reverence for my sanctuary. I am the Lord. If you follow my decrees and are careful to obey my commands, I will send you rain in its season, and the ground will yield its crops and the trees their fruit. Your threshing will continue until grape harvest, and the grape harvest will continue until planting, and you will eat all the food you want and live in safety in your land. I will grant peace in the land, and you will lie down, and no one will make you afraid. I will remove wild beasts from the land, and the sword will not pass through your country. You will pursue your enemies, and they will fall by the sword before you. Five of you will chase a hundred, and a hundred of you will chase ten thousand, and your enemies will fall by the sword before you. I will look on you with favor and make you fruitful and increase your numbers, and I will keep my covenant with you. You will still be eating last year's harvest when you will have to move it to out to make room for the new. I will put my dwelling place among you, and you, I will not abhor you. I will walk among you and be your God, and you will be my people. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of Egypt so that you would no longer be slaves to the Egyptians. I broke the bars of your yoke and enabled you to walk with your heads held high. But if you will not listen to me and carry out all these commands, and if you reject my decrees and abhor my laws and fail to carry out all my commands and so violate my covenant, then I will do this to you. I will bring on you sudden terror, wasting diseases and fever that will destroy your sight and sap your strength. You will plant seed in vain because your enemies will eat it. I will set my face against you so that you will be defeated by your enemies. Those who hate you will rule over you and you will flee even when no one is pursuing you. If after all of this you will not listen to me, I will punish you for your sins seven times over. I will break down your stubborn pride and make the sky above you like iron and the ground beneath you like bronze. Your strength will be spent in vain because your soil will not yield its crops, nor will the trees of your land yield their fruit. If you remain hostile towards me and refuse to listen to me, I will multiply your afflictions seven times over, as your sins deserve. I will send wild animals against you, and they will rob you of your children, destroy your cattle, and make you so few in number that your roads will be deserted. If, in spite of these things, you do not accept my correction, but continue to be hostile towards me, I myself will be hostile toward you, and will afflict you for your sins seven times over. And I will bring the sword on you to avenge the breaking of the covenant. When you withdraw into your cities, I will send a plague among you, and you will be given into enemy hands. When I cut off your supply of bread, ten women will be able to bake your bread in one oven, and they will dole out the bread by weight. You will eat, but you will not be satisfied. If, in spite of this, you still do not listen to me, but continue to be hostile toward me, then in my anger I will be hostile towards you, and I myself will punish you for your sins seven times over. You will eat the flesh of your sons and the flesh of your daughters. I will destroy your high places, cut down your incense altars, and pile your dead bodies on the lifeless forms of your idols, and I will abhor you. I will turn your cities into ruins and lay waste your sanctuaries, and I will take no delight in the pleasing aroma of your offerings. I myself will lay waste the land, so that your enemies who live there will be appalled. I will scatter you among the nations, and will draw out my sword and pursue you. Your land will be laid waste, and your cities will lie in ruins. Then the land will enjoy its Sabbath years all the time that it lies desolate, and you are in the country of your enemies. Then the land will rest and enjoy its Sabbaths. All the time that it lies desolate, the land will have the rest it did not have during the Sabbaths you lived in it. As for those of you who are left, I will make their hearts so fearful in the lands of their enemies that the sound of a wind-blown leaf will put them to flight they will run as though fleeing from the sword and they will fall even though no one is pursuing them they will stumble over one another as though fleeing from the sword even though no one is pursuing them so you will not be able to stand before your enemies you will perish among the nations the land of your enemies will devour you those who those of you who are left will waste away in the lands of their enemies because of their sins also because of their ancestors sins they will waste away but if they will confess their sins and the sins of their ancestors their unfaithfulness and their hostility towards me which made me hostile toward them so that I sent them into the land of their enemies then when their uncircumcised hearts are humbled and they pay for their sin I will remember my covenant with Jacob, and my covenant with Isaac, and my covenant with Abraham, and I will remember the land. For the land will be deserted by them, and will enjoy its Sabbaths while it lies desolate without them. They will pay for their sins, because they rejected my laws and abhorred my decrees. Yet in spite of this, when they are in the land of their enemies, I will not reject them or abhor them so as to destroy them completely, breaking my covenant with them. I am the Lord their God. But for their sake I will remember the covenant with their ancestors, whom I brought out of Egypt in the sight of the nations to be their God. I am the Lord. These are the decrees, the laws, and the regulations that the Lord established at Mount Sinai between himself and the Israelites through Moses.
1: Good job, Darcy. Thanks very much. Morning, everybody. Let me take this mask off. Great to be with you this morning as we come to the end of our series in Leviticus. And uh, this morning we are learning more about the holiness of God, more about what it means to live in relationship with this holy God. Here in Leviticus 26, towards the end of the book, uh, the terms of the covenant, in other words, the the, the terms of God's relationship with his people are, are set out for us. And we see, in fact, in this chapter, a, a summary of the history of Israel. It basically explains the 1,500 years of history that follow the exodus from Egypt right up to the coming of Jesus. It's really a rise and fall story. And Leviticus 26 gives us a glimmer of hope. Uh, hope beyond that rise and fall to something better in Jesus and the new covenant. Uh, There's a lot of stuff in uh, this morning's talk, so... um I'm glad that Jack has prayed for God's help as we come to his word. And I'm conscious as we've gone through the, the series that uh, questions, no doubt, have come to you. In the interest of time, we're not going to have a kind of question time after the talk today, but please, please, please um, email or text me uh, whatever questions you've had from the previous three weeks or from this morning, and in the second bite this week, I'll try and briefly respond to any questions that you send. We've got a handout that hopefully um, uh, explains where we're going in the passage. The points are quite long and involved, uh, but I wasn't quite sure how to summarize them anymore. But point 1, from verses 1 to 13, uh, there are blessings for those who are faithful to the covenant. And at least in some measure, Israel enjoyed them, enjoyed those blessings. So if you look at verses 1 to 13, look again at verse 3 to 5. There are really three big promises a promise of uh, prosperity, a promise of peace, a promise of God's presence. So, prosperity, verse 3 If you follow my decrees and are careful to obey my commands, I will send you rain in its season, and the ground will yield its fruits, and the trees their fruits. Your threshing will continue until grape harvest, and the grape harvest will continue until planting, and you will eat all the food you want and live in safety. In the land, a great promise of prosperity uh, for God's people. And in verses 6 to 8, a promise of peace. I will grant peace in the land, and you will lie down, and no one will make you afraid. I will remove wild beasts from the land, and the sword will not pass through your country. You will pursue your enemies, and they will fall by the sword before you. Five of you will chase a hundred. Amazing. And a hundred of you will chase 10,000, and your enemies will fall. By the sword before you, great promise of peace and security, and then God's promise of His own presence. Look at verse eleven: "I will put My dwelling place among you, and I will not abhor you. I will walk among you and be your God, and you will be My people." There are kind of echoes here of the Garden of Eden, aren't there? God walking with His people, great prosperity, peace and security. Now, God is not saying. If you obey me, if you keep my commands perfectly, then I'll accept you and you will be my people. No, they're already God's people. He's already rescued them, see verse 13. But now as God's rescued people, God is saying, if you're faithful to me, if you keep my covenant, then you will experience great blessing. God, you see, is the source of all blessing. He's the source of life. And so God is saying stick with me don't turn to idols as he says verse one but stick with me I'm the source of blessing why would you go elsewhere you see God loves to bless his people he loves to give good things to his people so why would you go anywhere else stick with him be faithful to him and you'll experience great blessing and the beginning of Israel's history tells how these promises come true, particularly under the reign of King David and then his son King Solomon. The kingdom of Israel reaches a real high point. You can read about it in the beginning of 1 Kings, where Israel is enjoying incredible prosperity. They're incredibly wealthy for a small nation, and they're enjoying great peace and security, no threat of war from enemies around and they've built the temple as a permanent dwelling place for God among his people. God promises blessing for those who are faithful. And, and at least in some measure, Israel enjoyed those blessings. But secondly, verses 13 to 39, those who are unfaithful to the covenants will be cursed. And in time... The whole nation of Israel was. The whole nation experienced these curses. This is the other side of the same idea. If God is the source of blessing and you turn away from him, well, then you are choosing to forsake that blessing. And the result is the opposite. Instead of prosperity, there's poverty. Look at verse 14 again. But if you will not listen to me and carry out all these commands, and if you reject my decrees and abhor my laws and fail to carry out all my commands and so violate my covenant, then I will do this to you. I will bring on you sudden terror, wasting diseases and fever that will destroy your sight and sap your strength. You'll plant your seed in vain because your enemies will eat it. Look down to verse 19. I will break down your stubborn pride and make the sky above you like iron and the ground beneath you like bronze. Your strength will be spent in vain because you will not, the, the soil will not yield its crops, nor will the trees of your land yield their fruits. You, you know, under, under the blessings, great prosperity, fruitfulness, but, but here that the ground will be like bronze. Imagine trying to do agriculture in a land like bronze. And there will be no fruits. Instead of prosperity, poverty. Instead of peace, there will be peril. Verse 22. If you remain hostile, sorry, verse 22, I will send wild animals against you. Previously he promised to remove wild animals from the land. Now he will send wild animals and they will rob you of your children, destroy your cattle and make you so few in number that your roads will be deserted. Verse 25 and i will bring the sword on you to avenge the breaking of the covenant when you withdraw into your cities i'll send a plague among you and you will be given into enemy hands in verse 29 it's going to get so bad you will eat the flesh of your sons and the flesh of your daughters instead of peace and security great peril given into their enemies hands and instead of god's presence God with you and for you. God will be against you. Verse 17, I will set my face against you so that you'll be defeated by your enemies. This, this isn't just natural consequences of their behavior. This is God himself acting. I will set my face against you. Verse 32, I myself will lay waste to the land so that your enemies who live there will be appalled. I will scatter you among the nations and will draw out my sword and pursue you. Your land will be laid waste and your cities will lie in ruins. They'll be scattered. Rather than enjoying God's presence with them and for them, he's going to set his face against them, drive them out of the land, scatter them among the nations, exile. Now, this isn't God being pernickety. You know, if you accidentally make a mistake in keeping God's commands, if you sprinkle the blood on the wrong piece of tabernacle furniture, then, ah, you've had it. It's not God being pernickety. This is talking about willful rebellion. People who shut their ears to God, who don't care about what God says, who willfully turn away from Him. Look again at verse 14. You can see that clearly. If you will not listen to me and carry out all these commands, and if you reject my decrees, not just slip up uh, once in a while, if you reject my decrees, abhor my laws, and fail to carry out all my commands, so violate my covenant, then I will do this to you. God is saying, if you turn away from me, the source of life, the source of blessing, there will be curse. And in time, the whole nation of Israel experienced that. You know, there was a time of great blessing under King David, King Solomon, but then a time of great curse. Solomon himself turns away from the Lord, worships idols, and the kingdom of Israel is torn in two. There's the northern kingdom of Israel, the southern kingdom of Judah. And the kings of Israel are hopeless, they're terrible. They lead the people in idolatry and injustice and great immorality. And the kings, kings of the southern nation, Judah, well, they're a little bit better, but not much. And so in, I think I'm right, 723 BC, the northern kingdom is conquered by the Assyrians. In 587 BC, the southern kingdom of Judah is sacked by the Babylonians. The temple in Jerusalem is destroyed. And the survivors are taken off into exile in Babylon Scattered to the nations And they remain there for 70 plus years Again, it's not that God's people have just slipped up But as you read the history of Israel There is wholesale rebellion against God They exploit the poor They engage in gross idolatry and immorality Even in the temple, there are idols set up. And God warned them again and again. It's not as if he just said Leviticus 26 once, and then they slip up and bam, you've had it. But no, God warns them again and again. He's patient with them to an incredible degree. Many of the Old Testament prophets conduct their ministry around the time of the exile. And so all the prophets in the Old Testament are, are categorized into whether they're before the exile or during the exile or after the exile. And most of them are saying, remember the covenant. Remember what God said in Leviticus 26. The curse that you're currently experiencing is because you've broken the covenant. What did you expect? Repent. Repent. Turn back to God, and maybe he will relent from sending the disaster upon you. God warned his people again and again, but they persist in their rebellion. They, if you like, call God's bluff on Leviticus 26, and God remains true to his words. And if you do read the history of Israel, you can see how the details of leviticus twenty six the details of these curses play out there 's a kind of inevitability to the way that things played out you know, even in leviticus twenty six i don 't know if you, this came across as Darcy read it to you uh, although it 's presented as two options: you know faithful blessing if you 're unfaithful curse, two options. And option one is obviously the better one. And option two is incredibly stupid. There's an implicit assumption that option two is the way things are going to go. At the end of Deuteronomy, it's even clearer that the same choice is put to the people. And then immediately God tells Moses, I know what's going to happen. I know that people are going to break my covenants. Their hearts will go astray. There's an inevitability to the way things play out because of our sinful human nature. Because at heart, we have a resistance to God, a natural bent to turn away from him, to reject him, to go our own way. And that is why the end of the chapter is so important. For those who are unfaithful, there'll be curse, and in time, the whole nation experienced that curse. But there's a second, but. Did you notice that in verse 40? This is our, our third point on your sheets. You know, verses 1 to 13 if you're faithful, there'll be blessing. But, verse 14 if you're unfaithful, if you reject the covenant, if you, if you violate the terms of our relationship, there will be curse. But, verse 40, if from that place of curse, if from that place of exile, they will confess their sins, verse 40, and the sins of their ancestors, their unfaithfulness and their hostility toward we, which made me hostile toward them, then, verse 42, I will remember my covenant with Jacob and Isaac and Abraham. Verse 44, yet in spite of this, when they're in the land of their enemies, I will not reject them or abhor them so as to destroy them completely, breaking my covenant with them. I am the Lord their God. But for their sake, I will remember the covenant with their ancestors whom I brought out of Egypt in the sight of the nations to be their God. I am the Lord. See, the great news of this chapter is that God will not give up on his people. That though he's faithful to what he says, that he will carry out the curses that he warned of, he will not abandon his people completely. In fact, he's going to rescue them a second time. He's rescued them from slavery in Egypt. Now he's going to rescue them from exile in Babylon. And this again is what you see in the prophets. That though they predict the disaster of exile, and say, look, it's just what God said would happen if you were unfaithful to him. Though they predict that disaster, they also promise a return. God will restore his people to the land. He will restore the blessing and prosperity that he promised. And that is what happens. After 70 or so years in exile, some of the people do return to the land. You can read about it in Nehemiah, and Ezra and the prophet Haggai. They rebuild the temple. They rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. But it's nothing like the peace and prosperity of former days. And it's nothing like the peace and prosperity that was promised by the prophets. And so the Old Testament comes to an end, and it's incomplete. The Old Testament comes to an end Waiting for God to bring about the full restoration that he promised and waiting for a particular figure to come. Because as you read through the prophets, you find that many of the promises narrow down on a, in, an individual. An individual who's, who's going to be a king, a descendant of David, but far greater than King David's. And he's going to be a servant of the Lord. He's called Israel. But he's going to be a faithful Israel. He'll be the one who gathers God's people back. Uh, But not just the scattered Israelites brought back to the Lord. He's going to gather God's people from all the nations of the world. And he'll be the one who brings the restoration promised. Read Isaiah 49 to to see those promises spelled out. But they are, of course, promises about our Lord Jesus. Leviticus 26 helps us to understand Jesus and his coming and what that's all about in these terms because Jesus comes as the faithful Israelites, the faithful people of God or person of God. He keeps the covenant and obeys the Lord fully. He never rejects God, never violates the covenant, but obeys perfectly. He's the one who deserves all the blessings that are promised here in the covenant. And yet he's cursed. In his death on the cross, Jesus receives the covenant curse. Listen to these words from Psalm 22, words that Jesus takes up as he hangs on the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from my cries of anguish? That's the question. Why? Why? To this faithful Israelite who's obeyed perfectly and deserves blessing, why has God abandoned him? Verse 6 says, I am a worm and not a man, scorned by everyone, despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their heads. Remember what God said about wild animals? Listen to what this... Suffering servant says, many bulls surround me. Strong bulls of Bashan encircle me. Roaring lions that tear their prey open their mouths wide against me. Dogs surround me. A pack of villains encircles me. They pierce my hands and they pierce my feet. Why? Well, Isaiah 53 spells it out. Speaking about this servant of the Lord, this faithful Israel. Isaiah 53 says, He was pierced for our transgressions, He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was laid on Him. By His wounds we are healed. We're the ones who, like sheep, have gone astray rejected God but all our iniquity all the curse that we deserve has been laid on him see Leviticus 26 tells us that Jesus was the faithful covenant keeper yet experienced all the curses of the covenant in our place so that we get to enjoy all the blessings it's through jesus's obedient life and sin-bearing death that he enacts a new covenant so turning your bibles if you were to hebrews chapter 8 we're going to read a few chapters from here as we finish We've referred to the book of Hebrews uh, all throughout this series And the book of Hebrews really is a commentary in one sense on the book of Leviticus Explaining how it's all fulfilled in Jesus So Hebrews 8 verse 6 says this But in fact the ministry that Jesus has received is as superior to theirs The old covenant priests As the covenant of which he is mediator Is superior to the old one Since the new covenant is established On better promises There is a new covenant in Jesus And it's far superior to the old covenant It's better How is it better? We need to read on verse 7 For if there had been nothing wrong With that first covenant No place would have been sought for another But God found fault with the people And said The days are coming Declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah, it will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt, because they did not remain faithful to my covenant, and I turned away from them. Declares the Lord. It's the history of Israel. But this is the covenant I will establish with the people of Israel after that time. Declares the Lord, I will put my laws in their minds. And write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, know the Lord because they will all know me, from the least of them to the greatest. For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. By calling this covenant new, he's made the first one obsolete. And what is obsolete and outdated will soon disappear. So in what way is the new covenant better? What was wrong with the first? Well, in a sense, nothing was wrong with the first one in principle. You know, It was entirely just. It was a fair arrangement. Pretty reasonable deal, really. God has rescued his people, and he says, Look, love me. Be faithful to me, and there'll be great blessing. Turn away from me. You'll experience curse. Completely just, completely fair, but unworkable for people who have a natural bent to turn away from God, people who have a sinful human nature. They just couldn't keep it. Because of sin, they messed up again and again and again. See, the the covenant offered blessing or curse, but the story of Israel is one of curse again and again and again, one of great decline. The new covenant is better in two main ways. Firstly the heart of the covenant members is changed. Did you see that in verse 10? This is the covenant I will establish with the people of Israel after that time. I will put my laws in their minds and write them on their hearts. See that the law will not just be on tablets of stone as it was under the old covenant, that the law will be written on our hearts in our minds what will we'll be changed on the inside this is speaking about the the gift of the Holy Spirit given to all members of God's people under the new covenant so that we have new desires we want to love God. we want to love our neighbor and to some degree we're enabled to do that better because our hearts are changed secondly better because there's more forgiveness did you see that verse 12 I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. We've seen this in previous weeks. It's not saying that there was no forgiveness under the old covenant. There was loads of forgiveness, but not enough. Now Jesus has made the once-for-all sacrifice for sin. God can say, I will remember their sins no more. Full free, forever forgiveness. So what does all that mean for us today? Let me try and boil it down, make it kind of simple. God is inviting us, whether we're a believer or we're still checking things out, he is opening himself up, inviting us into relationship with him. Covenant is all about relationship. God is saying, this is the relationship that you can enjoy I am a God who loves to bless. Whether you're not a Christian or or you are, can you see the incredible blessing of this relationship with God? We have far better promises than the people did under the old covenants. The promise that God has forgiven our sins fully and forever. The promise of the Holy Spirit, the gift of the Holy Spirit living within us changing us on the inside, enabling us to become more and more the people we were always created to be. But in one sense, the call of Leviticus 26 remains, that the call to be faithful to the covenant. The terms of the covenant have changed, but the call to be faithful is still there. And that's really what the book of Hebrews is all about. It's a call to stick with Jesus. If, you, if you've not yet come to him, come to him. Come into this relationship of blessing. Enjoy all that God has provided. You know, God wants to bless us so much that he sent his son to the cross to experience all the curse we deserve so we could get all the blessing he deserves. So come to him, and if you've already come, then stick with him. Stick with Jesus. Keep living by faith. Keep on keeping on. Keep trusting. Keep repenting. Keep walking in obedience. Keep holding on to the hope that we have. Keep fixing your eyes on Jesus and on the full restoration that he will bring about. Let me lead us in prayer. Father, thank you for this chapter in Leviticus, a chapter that really opens up the whole of the Old Testament, the whole story of your people Israel and points forward to the coming of Jesus and the new covenant that he established. We thank you uh, that Leviticus 26 reveals the, the great problem for humanity. It's not that the arrangement under the old covenant was unfair, but that our hearts are bent on rebellion. And so we thank you so much for the Lord Jesus, for the better promises that we have in him, for the relationship that you have established through him, through his perfect covenant-keeping life and his sin-curse-bearing death. Thank you for the Holy Spirit who changes us on the inside, enabling us to obey you, to love you, to be faithful. And we thank you for the promise of full, free forgiveness of all our sins forever. Through Jesus, once for all sacrifice on the cross. Please help us, therefore, to to keep on keeping on with Jesus to stick with him. We pray for his glory's sake. Amen.